Hey photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That means improving your photo skills, building on your business knowledge, and honing your marketing abilities, but it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We do try to bring the show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographers Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. Again, photographersedit.com and Milu.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another Boca Podcast episode, and uh, I am joined today by Rebecca Nash Emerson from Rebecca Nash Photography. Thank you so much for hanging out with me, Rebecca. Thanks so much for having me on. And we are going to get into, you know, actually, surprisingly, a topic that we really haven't spent a ton of time intentionally on, which is finding balance as a parent, or more specifically, as a mom and a photographer. And we're going to get to that topic here in just a little bit. But for a little bit of context to get us started, uh, Rebecca's website, for those of you who are listening in, want to go take a look. If you go to Rebecca, R-E-B-E-C-C-A, just like it sounds, Rebecca Nash Photography.com. And it's Rebecca Nash Photography on Instagram as well. You can see her work and follow along. And uh, Rebecca, just to kind of get us started today, let's let's start off with one of my favorite topics, which is brand position. It's a topic that we've we've talked about a lot on the podcast, but I think it's under discussed in the industry. What is your brand's position? And actually, just give us a little bit more context. What market are you based in, and then what is your brand position within that market? Perfect. So I'm actually up in London, Ontario, Canada. Okay. Uh, I am a wedding and branding photographer. I'm also a mentor. And so I like to say that I help support and celebrate your love, your business, and your life through photography, conversation, and mentorship. Wow. Well, that's, wow. That's really beautifully done. Actually, you, you managed to fit a lot into a very simple sentence. How did you go about designing that? Because I know that myself included, I'll raise my hand and my guests or my guests, my, well, my guests and my listeners both know that I have a tendency of being a little bit wordy. It's, it's tough sometimes to distill something down into just a few words. How did you do that? Honestly, it's been a work in progress for the 10 years that I've been in business. It started as probably a full page to trying to describe who I was and what I did. And over time I've been able to narrow it down further and further. And I revisit it every year to go, what is the heart of what I do and why I do it? And for a long time, I've said that my job is to show up and support people and to help them to celebrate all the good things in their life that maybe they've forgotten while they're chasing other goals. And my camera has always been a tool that's allowed me to do that. Wow. So how long would you say that it took you, because this is for everybody listening, and this is a wonderful example of being able to distill the distinction of a business into a sentence or into a phrase. How long did it take you to go through that process, going from a full page worth of ideas to this very succinct sentence? 
it has progressed over years, but to get to this specific sentence this year has been over the course of a couple of weeks. Okay. And it's been asking questions of some of my favorite clients I've worked with. Hmm. It's been reading back over testimonials to see what do people talk about most, to look at which parts of the process I enjoy most, okay. what makes me different in the way I do those parts of the process, mm-hmm. and being able to just go through over and over again. And then I actually ended up handing it over to someone else to say, I'm figuring out something about this. How does it stand out to you? And he helped me to craft that sentence together to be like, oh my gosh, yes, this this is who I am and what I do. Wow. Well, beautifully done. Shout out to you. And uh, for anybody listening in, if you go to RebeccaNashPhotography.com, if you just scroll down um, just slightly down the homepage, you can see in very big text that position statement. And um, use that as a point of reference, as an example of, again, being able to distill a lot, quite a bit actually, into one sentence to create a, a stamp, which is this is this is what my brand represents. That it's just it's well done, Rebecca. So so props to you for that. But I want to keep moving in the conversation too. Let's talk about customer experience. This is a new question that I've been asking our our guests this year. Is there a particularly impactful principle that you have learned or at least been reminded of over the last few years that's made a big difference in providing a great customer experience in your business? For me, it really comes down to one word, care. Hmm. Figure out what parts of what you do you care about the most and how you can be the best at that. Figure out how you can care the most about your clients and what they're going through and how you can support them. And if you are always coming back from doing things from a place of caring, you'll have an amazing experience. So and this is interesting because it seems as though care is applicable in two different areas. It's not just about the idea of care for our clients, which, although it may seem obvious, is not something that photographers necessarily consistently practice. So it's a good reminder. But then care, what we care about most and putting time and effort into what we care about most as well, which helps sustain the business over the long run, right? Absolutely. And it can be such a guidepost in the decisions you make in your business by figuring out what are the things that matter most to me? Mm. You know where to put your time. You know where to put your money. You know where to position your statement about who you are and what you do. You know where to bring other people on to help with the areas that still need to be fantastic, but you don't have your heart in it the same way. Let's talk about time. You mentioned time just now, and this is really a great segue to my next question. And, and honestly, a lot of what we're going to be talking about later on in our conversation has to do with time. But if our listeners are only able to listen in for you know, 10, 15 minutes and they get this first part, what would you say is one of the most important techniques for time management or creating time for yourself, for the important people in your life as you are simultaneously a photography business owner? For me, it comes back to balance. And a lot of people talk about balance, meaning that everything gets equal time. And I think we need to rewrite that definition. Hmm. Balance doesn't mean everything gets equal time. It means that everything gets the time it needs. Okay. And that can change week to week. So I actually have a system that I use around time blocking that allows me to have dedicated work time, dedicated family time, dedicated self-care time, and then what I like to call flex time, that maybe this week the business needs that time because I have a lot of clients on the go, but maybe next week my daughter has something else going on at her school, there's some kind of event going on, and she needs that time more. That flex time can swing to whatever the variables are that week. 
Well, we're going to actually break down that that time blocking that you're referencing in more detail in just a bit. So we'll leave that as kind of a tease and get our listeners to stay around for a bit longer. But let's talk about another really important component of time management delegation, or as some might call it, outsourcing. Is this a principle that you've experimented with in your business? Where have you found benefit? If so, what, what does this look like for you? It's something I've definitely experimented with. I have brought in other professionals to assist me in different tasks, whether it is website design, it is graphic design, whether I am talking about social media and managing all of that, my post-production on my images, um, album design, different things like that. I have over time brought in different people to help with some of those different aspects. Some of them, it was a temporary project-based item, and some of it, it was a more long-term relationship. And how did you decide accordingly? I mean, what made you decide, you know what, I'm only going to do this temporarily, um, but these others I'm going to let continue over time. I know you say it was project-based, but um, does it depend on the type of task as to whether or not you let that just be a temporary thing? It depends on the type of task it is. It also depends on what else is going on in my life and business at the time. And expound on that just a little bit. I'm really curious for our listeners' sake is that because the idea of delegation or outsourcing might be a relatively new concept to some, and they're trying to figure out how to even make this work in their business, the idea of giving up control of something that they can maintain um, so that they make sure it goes exactly the way that they want it to. That's It can be nerve-wracking. How do they go about that decision-making process, especially when it comes to deciding whether or not to do it over the long term or not? Such a great question. It, for me, has always been something that's kind of come from the gut, but then also from that conversation we had before about caring and what things you care most about in your business. Hmm. I go back to what things do I care most about in my business that I want to have my hand in and what other things are important that are done or done well that somebody else's heart is in more than my own. So for me, one of those areas is post-production. I know that the way my images come out at the end relies on a good post-production process to take what I've already captured in camera and polish it up just that little bit more so that it presents well. However, I do not enjoy sitting for hours editing my images. There are slow seasons where I will do my own editing, but if I can book more clients, I will book more clients and work with an editor who knows my style and understands what I'm looking for and allow them to do what they do best. Well, and you know, it's actually this podcast centers around the idea of helping photographers build sustainable businesses. That is our position statement. It's ultimately our mission too. And the idea of delegation, taking advantage of or leveraging delegation, especially when it comes to editing, which is really the most time consuming element of running a photography business for most photographers, I think is really intelligent. Little shout out to photographersedit.com too on my part, which is a sponsor, of course, of this this podcast. But is there was there a process for you in learning how to delegate that editing work? I mean, communication is such a big component of that process. How were you able to communicate effectively what it is that you wanted done in the editing? I am normally a person of a lot of words, but when it comes to certain things, a visual is always so much better. So I have been fortunate enough to work with different individual editors or companies that have allowed me to 
um, share some of the presets that I use when I edit it with yes. them. They have allowed me to submit before and after so they can see what I would normally do with an image in a variety of different situations. They have allowed for communication on the first couple jobs. It's not going to be 100%. It's like you're dating somebody. You don't know each other yet. <laughs> yeah. This is the first date. You're still figuring it out and you're like, okay, I've got a sense of who you are, yeah. but I don't know if I have this quite right. I don't know which dish you're going to like better, which sauce you're going to prefer. It's going to be 80, 90% of the way there because they know how to edit. That's their job. They're very good at it, mm. but they don't know your secret sauce. So those first couple, you might end up going back and being like, okay, so we're most of the way there, but these couple of images weren't quite where I would want them to be. And this is what I did with them afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Could we look at adapting that into the process in the future? Because I think it was just, you know, we didn't understand how much contrast we wanted. We didn't understand that, you know, I'm okay with the sky being blown out if it's the emotional moment so that they're properly exposed. Whatever the case may be, you can go back, but only if you can go back without ego in it and to have a genuine conversation, one artist to another, to be like, love what you did. This collaboration is going to be amazing. Can we do a little bit of tweaking so that we're on the same page and we can both celebrate what each other is doing and be so stoked to work together? <laughs> I love it. I want to hire you for my company just to kind of give that context to, to everybody because you have to be, you can be both open-minded, first of all, to the idea that it's not going to be perfect the first time, but also still be excited about the possibilities, understanding that just a, a bit of tweaking and adjusting can really make a great experience. Absolutely. And there are things that, like I said, I can't describe. And so I have hopped on video calls with editors before where they've been like, okay, so show me how you would have edited this image. Okay. And we have screen shared so that they can watch me edit to be yeah. like, this is the way I do it. This is where I start. This is the result. You don't have to do it the same way as me. You probably know how to use the tools way better than I do, but this is the kind of result and the kind of feel I'm going for. Hmm. That's good. Well, I, this wasn't even meant to be a major point of conversation today, but I really appreciate your perspective and encouragement ultimately, because it can be tough to give up control. I know this is true for probably many, if not most photography business owners, but on the other side of that can be so much benefit, both to just general personal time, certainly time to do things that'll actually grow your business. And we just have to understand that it takes a little bit of effort at communication, learning how to communicate effectively in order to make that work. So that's a really good reminder. But let's let's keep moving. Let's talk about inspiration, actually. What is one of the biggest sources of inspiration for you outside of the photography industry that really gives you a boost as a photographer, a business owner, as an individual? I find inspiration everywhere. So I am someone who I love to watch movies and find inspiration there. Yeah. I love to visit art galleries. Um, I listen to music and I'm one of those weird people that sometimes a song will bring me a vision of something where I'm like, oh, this song feels so this. I oh, can yeah. bring that feeling to life in this kind of setting with this kind of outfit. Yep. And I have a lot of fun with it that way, but also just being able to get out in nature. I go for a lot of walks, um, especially Right now, I'm going for a lot of walks to have that fresh air, that space, and to be able to just witness the world around me. And mm. it'll be the smallest thing that will inspire something new. And like, what's an example of the smallest thing? What's something that's, that just nobody would expect, but really made a big difference to you? It's going to seem like a really silly example, but I got so excited last weekend. My husband decided he was going to make bread. This man does not bake. He cooks, <laughs> but he does not bake. Okay. He 
cannot usually take care of like Pillsbury cookie dough, he can mess that up. Okay. That's who he is. And he decided he was going to make um, challah bread. I don't know if you know that one, but the one that he got, it's a beautiful egg bread. So delicious. But the recipe he got calls for a six strand braid, which frankly, I couldn't even do in someone's hair, never mind on a piece of bread. Okay. But he made this thing and it was gorgeous. To the point that this weekend he decided he was going to make more because we had eaten it all. And I made him make two loaves because I went, (laughs) this to me tells a story. Yeah. This is something you cared about that you really wanted to do well. Make me another loaf because I want to photograph it. I want to tell the story of being at home, putting love and care into something beautiful and delicious like this. And that we're all in our homes right now. And what are the beautiful things around us? Oh, wow. That's really, that's really cool. And, and it actually reminds me of, I grew up in Japan and we had these friends that would bring, occasionally bring over fresh homemade bread. And that, this is not something that I was used to. My mom cooked like crazy, but homemade bread just wasn't her thing. And, and so they'd bring it over and I, I'm a little obsessed with peanut butter. In fact, it's a family thing. And, and so we get this fresh homemade bread, uh, I think it was a sourdough bread. And, and then we just put some peanut butter on it and eat it like that. Oh, it was so, so good. But it is so fun to look for little opportunities like that to, I I think keeping an open mind, like childlike, curious mind. And as you said, looking for inspiration, even in the little things, uh, it's amazing what can come of that. And it could potentially even inspire a little personal project. Absolutely. Walk around with your eyes wide open and your bigger problem will be that you don't have time to capture and create all the inspiration you find. Oh, I love it. Wow. Talk to me about uh, Impactful Business or self-help book that you've read or listened to in the last few years, maybe that's also made a really big impact. This might be the most difficult question for me because I am a book nerd. (laughs) I have been since I was a little girl. I was taught when I was younger that a book is like a friend who will always be there for you. So growing up watching Beauty and the Beast was one of my favorite Disney movies. But all the other little girls I knew wanted The Handsome Prince. I just wanted the library. So for me, this is a challenging question, but I think I'm going to have to go with Everything is Figureoutable from Marie Forleo. Oh, interesting. Everything is Figureoutable. Yes. Okay. And and what's the premise of the book? Exactly what the title says. Everything is Figureoutable. She talks about her upbringing and the different things she's come through, the way she saw her parents push through all these different boundaries. Um, And her mom was the one that came up with this phrase, everything is figureoutable, because she would constantly ask, but mama, how do you know how to do that if you've never done it before? Well, I just figured it out because everything is figureoutable. And so I love that approach that I'm like, there is no obstacle so big that we can't overcome it. Everything is figureoutable. It might take some elbow grease, some research, reaching out and asking for some help, Mm. some mentorship, whatever the case may be, but there is nothing so big that you can't get past it. That's good. And and there's something innate to that too, which is really important to me, which is the significance of taking responsibility. Because we live in this culture where we just kind of, we blame our circumstances or our feelings or lack of action or whatever it is on something or someone or some experience or whatever, but we blame it on something else. And this idea that everything, you can figure it out if you're willing to, if you make the choice and the decision to move on it is I think a really great reminder. So we're going to have to put to this book or put this book in the show notes and anybody listening in, take advantage of the show notes, Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. Haley puts together show notes for each of these episodes. We'll link to the resources that we discussed. The talking points will be there too. 
make sure you take advantage of those and we'll, we'll definitely link to this book. Very, very cool. Well, let, let's jump into our, our primary conversation today, which has to do with finding balance as a mother and a photographer or just maybe a parent in general and a photographer. I'm a single dad having two kids and then multiple businesses can be a challenge at times. But prior to our conversation today, you talked about this idea of, of the balance. And I'm glad that you defined balance earlier for context. Um, but just give us a little bit more context, if you will. Talk to us about your family. Well, I'm very fortunate. I have my husband and my daughter. And so my daughter is 14. And my husband and I have been together for a little over 10 years awesome. and married for a little over five. Cool. And we are a very busy family. My daughter is into many different things from horseback riding to martial arts to being a social butterfly. So she constantly is on the go. And then much like you, I have multiple businesses. I am a multi-passionate entrepreneur who loves to create. And my husband works a full-time job with the air ambulance that keeps him quite busy, sometimes traveling, sometimes working 16-hour shifts here. And then he also likes to get out to do photography, to hunt, to play pool. We play in a pool league here in town. Oh, wow. So we have a very full, very busy life. Well, and it sounds like a, just a wonderful variety too, which I think is something that we could all stand to have a little bit more of. Absolutely. And that has been a very intentional choice. Um, I have a tendency to get a little bit one track with yes, some me things. Too. Yes. So um, I've been pushed out of my comfort zone. Playing pool in a league was not something I ever thought that I would do, but was challenged. And I'm a little bit of a stubborn personality. (laughs) So I was challenged to give it a try and ended up really loving it. And the camaraderie of being around a lot of other adults in a different environment. That's really cool. Well, you described earlier what balance means, but let's just kind of jump into some of the practical, I guess, uh, application, if you will, some of the suggestions that you have for better balancing being a parent and being a business owner, photography business owner, when it comes to prioritizing tasks, I I, want to understand how you do that. But maybe even before we do, a little extra tip here. Are you using a particular tool to, I guess, keep up with, manage your tasks and projects? Um, I do use a variety of tools. Some of them are available to everyone. And some are some that I've created myself. One of the things that I love to use is Asana. Okay. Asana holds my brain because I can't keep that many thoughts in the air in one time. (laughs) Yes. I also have been using the Elegant Excellence Journal a lot lately, as well as just a regular calendar, whether it's my Google calendar or a paper calendar that allows me to block in the time itself. You said Elegant Excellence? Yes. What is that? So the Elegant Excellence Journal is one created by Hillary Rushford, and um, it's all about goal setting and prioritizing. Mm. So it goes along beautifully with the system that I use. And it's about taking the bigger picture. So it's a six-month journal that starts out with your plan for the next 10 years, and then three years, and then one year, and then six months. And then you go through monthly and daily pages just to help you focus on what progress have you made on the priorities you set and what are the priorities for this coming week. So I sit down and do that every Monday morning. Wow. Okay. Well, so that's really a great segue to this topic of prioritization of tasks. How do you go about that? What does that process look like? 
Well, I, I'm using my journal, which breaks it down into your big, your little, and your next tasks. But beyond that, I use kind of my own version of the Eisenhower matrix. Okay, what is that? Uh, okay, so the our Eisenhower matrix... I just realized I'm doing hand gestures and you guys can't see. <laughs> um, anyways, it's it's got four boxes on it. And it basically, along the top, you have urgent and not urgent. And down the side, you have important and not important. So you end up with four boxes. You have the things that are urgent and important, not urgent, but important, not important, not important, but urgent, and not urgent and not important. Quite frankly, if it's in that last box, not important and not urgent, you probably don't need to be doing it. Right. You should either get it off your shelf, either not do it at all or assign it to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. It's not where your best time is spent. Things that are urgent and important tend to get most of our attention and things that are urgent but not important, that sense of urgency gets our attention. But where we sometimes lose out is the things that are important but not urgent. It's quite often the tasks working on the business as opposed to in the business. Hmm. No, so I try to take my stuff and I go and do a big brain dump of here's all the things I think I want to do this week. Yeah, yeah. And then I start to plug it into this to go what falls where. Quite often things that fall in the urgent but not important, these are things that I'm going to look at outsourcing. Okay. You know, my editing needs to get done. My bookkeeping needs to get done. My taxes need to get done. So they are sort of important, but they're much more time specific than anything else. And it's not important that I'm the one doing those things. Those are things I'm going to outsource so that they get taken care of. Anything important and urgent, I am all over this. I'm either doing it myself or finding the right person to help me do it if I can't do it all myself. But then I try to make sure I have time each week where I can put in some of those important but not urgent tasks because they are the easiest ones to keep saying, I'll do it next week. Uh, I'll do it next week. I'll do it next week. And yeah. you never get to it. This process, after you've done the brain dump, and I'm glad that you mentioned that too, because it, for anybody listening who does not have some type of a system in which to put your tasks, um, especially to dump those tasks from your mind, so you don't have to try to keep them in there and you're laying awake at you know 1 a.m. thinking about them, having a place to go unload those is really important. So it, let's start there. But then secondly, and what I'm really curious about, Rebecca, this process of, of after you've done that brain dump, then kind of categorizing each of those tasks via this matrix, does, does that get overly complicated at sometimes to the point that it might be intrusive? I mean, it, it, how long does it take to do that? Honestly, it takes me about five minutes to do okay. because I just take a piece of paper and draw it into four quadrants and okay. take that big list that I have and start plopping things in to go, what is or isn't urgent? Sometimes I get lazy and if it's not important and not urgent, it doesn't even make it on the piece of paper. Right, right. I'm prioritizing the things. And some of that is also looking at what I value most and going with the gut there to go, okay, I know I can't do every idea that's in my head this week. I'm going to try to sort them out to figure out what's most important, what's most urgent. But I'm also going to go with my gut to know what is going to feel the most aligned for me, what is going to light me up so that I'm the best version of myself for my clients. And what are things that maybe I need to re-examine? Huh. Okay. Wow. I mean, I mean, that in and of itself could probably make a really massive impact. But then one something that you mentioned earlier, time blocking, this is something that we've had guests mention on the podcast in the past, but I'm wondering if there is a different approach that you have to time blocking. What does this process look like for you? So for me, 
whenever I'm trying to put anything in the calendar, the first priority is always my family. We have a tendency in our society to block in work hours, whether it's for a standard day job or for your own business. We tend to put those hours in first and our family gets what's left over. I'm not a big fan of that approach. I'm a big fan of giving my family what they need first, mm. taking care of myself next, yeah. and the business comes after that. Wow. Because I know by doing those things, again, I get to show up as my best self for my clients. Wow. That's that's really interesting, actually. And, and I mean, it's such a simple idea. I haven't really thought of it this way before. We're so used to that kind of nine to five thought process where, of course, nine to five gets blocked off in the calendar because we're supposed to be working. And then, like you said, we then fill in the rest of the available time with stuff for our personal lives, our personal relationships. You're actually flipping that. And of course, we have the freedom, the flexibility to do that as business owners because we're the boss and yet we don't really leverage that opportunity. Exactly. It was all about going like, where are my priorities? Okay. Are my priorities actually showing up in the way that I'm planning my time and my energy? Huh. So didn't, how long does the process for time blocking take for you? Um, like, I mean, do you do it week by week or day by day? How do, how do you do it? So I have a general schedule that kind of gets ev updated every couple months okay. where it's the general time blocking. And so that'll be just outlining that this is where family time is. It's protected time. It can't be touched. Mm. This is where my self-care time is. Again, it can't be touched because I'm notorious for giving that away to anybody else who wants something from me. Mm. Then I block in my work time. And so I have just these general blocks and those pretty much stay the same except for, like we said, those flex times. So I started this by sitting down with my family and saying, okay, guys, I have got to figure out a regular schedule because I'm losing my mind just trying to fit work in whenever I feel like I have time. So tell me, what do you guys want and need from me? And they were able to sit there and say, well, we want to make sure we have some time with you every week, but we also know your business is important. So can we make one weeknight and one weekend day every week, family time, no ifs, ands, or buts? Yes, absolutely. Wow. We can totally do that. Do we have a preference of which days? For the weekend day, can we do Sundays? Because I don't want it to get messed up when I have weddings. And weddings are usually on Saturdays. And then, guys, what, what day of the week are we thinking for the evening together? Yeah. So those went in first. It's like, okay, those are my family times. Thursday night, we had no extracurriculars on. So, yep, that's our family night. Perfect. From the time kiddo gets home from school until we all go to bed, it is family time only. I am not allowed to work. Sundays, again, it is family time. I am not allowed to work. We ended up putting my self-care on Sundays as well because I get up on Sundays about three hours earlier than the rest of my family. Whoa. So I have the advantage of having that be a complete no work day. Huh. Wow. This is really cool. And actually, I want to do this with with my kids right away, really. I mean, we we spend time on the weekends together. We'll spend time together in the evenings. But I like the the respect shown and the priority ultimately given and demonstrated by proactively having that conversation with them. I, I mean, it's, it's again, it's such a simple idea, but I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing and a really good reminder for us. I love this. Thank you so much for, for sharing that idea with us. And, and really, it kind of leads me to my next question. I think you've kind of already answered this, but you'd mentioned to me ahead of time the significance of proactively communicating with your family, managing expectations, setting boundaries as a result. Is this what you were referring to? 
this is a lot of what I was referring to is that we have this meeting to talk about it at the beginning. I block in that family time. Yeah. Then I go through and block in anything else. So quite often my husband and I'll sit down and be like, okay, here's what extracurriculars kiddo has on, on a regular basis. Which ones are you taking her to? Which ones am I taking her to? Okay. Let's block those into the calendar. So we know who needs to be available. Mm. I block in what I'm going to use for work time. I have a rough idea of how many work hours I need out of the week. Okay, here's here's where I'm going to block it in. And then I come back to the table with them and say, okay, guys, here's what I've kind of figured out for a plan. Here's when I'd like to be able to work. Here's what we said we needed for family time. Here's some time that I want to have just a little time for myself to, to just chill, do whatever I need to do for self-care. Here's where I think we have some flexible time where it doesn't need to be work time and it doesn't need to be family time, but it could be either depending on what's going on this week. What do you guys think? Is there any feedback? Is there anything you'd like to see me change? Oh, I love it. You know, like, how do you feel about it? Yeah. So that everybody gets to feel heard yes. and understood during that. And then we've also talked about that during work hours, my home office is up here on the main floor. I'm squished between the bedrooms and the kitchen. Hmm. So I'm right in the main walkway of everything. And okay. so our rule is if I am just generally working on things, my door is open. Yeah. But if my door is closed, that means either I'm on a call or I'm working on a focused task mm -hmm. where I don't want to be disturbed. If the door is open, you are welcome to come in, say hello, give me a hug, check in on what I'm doing. If the door is closed, unless it's an emergency, please wait and I'll come and check in with you when I open the door again. Wow, man, I, I really, really love this. And, and a lot of it just comes down to, again, that notion of proactivity and specifically managing expectations proactively and giving them the opportunity to have a say, which is, is a really, I, I mean, as I mentioned a second ago, I, this is, I proactively communicate with my kids and we spend time together in, in these regards. But I think just the action of, hey, I want to make sure you guys feel like you're getting what, what you need and what you want. What would that look like to you? And then adjusting my schedule to fit that versus the other way around. I, I just, I really, really love that. Something else that I've done similar to what you're describing, Rebecca, is um, I mean, because I do, and I actually live in an apartment and it's not real big. So my kids are going to, if they're at home, they're going to be around and I'm not great with multitasking. So you know, if they just, if I'm working on something and, or in the middle of something and they come up and they just start talking right away, it's understandable. First of all, I get it. But at the same time, I just have a hard time, like kind of taking my mind off the thing that I'm doing at the moment and going to conversation and going back to that again. And so mm -hmm. I've just made the simple request of, Hey, if you, if you see that I'm doing something, if I'm in the middle of something, can you just, just say, Hey dad, can I talk to you about something? And in just that simple interaction, that communication proactively, helps because what I tell them is, look, I don't, I want to actually give you the attention. If we're going to have a conversation, I don't like to, you know, to multitask. And so it was a little conversation like that. And they, they've been very, very respectful of that. But I just love the idea of giving them the priority and saying, Hey, what do you need for me? What would you like? What would you like this to, to feel like, to look like? And adjusting for that, I, that, that would be the, just a massive takeaway. I think for probably most anybody listening and where they have kids you have a spouse, a significant other of some kind, friends, family, whatever it is, giving them some of that priority would just make a big, big difference. Absolutely. It's just, like you said, it's all about communication and then just showing that respect and caring that you are my priority. So you might not come at the beginning of the week, mm. but you are an important part of my week. How do you want that to look? Yeah. And it's 
especially with kids. I know we've both talked about having kids in those teenage years. This is giving them back a sense of some control and independence in making decisions yep, yep. on how things work in the family. Sure. What about collaboration? This is another word that you'd mentioned to me um, prior to our interview. Is there some way that you're actually collaborating with them on work? Or is this when you talk about collaboration, are you talking about time management? For the most part, I'm talking about time management, but then also um, something we started last year that we were really enjoying was that we made sure as well as having the Sundays together that one Sunday a month, we are going to go and do something. We're going to go on some kind of adventure. We're going to make it a special day. And in order to collaborate on that, originally we were trying to all come to a compromise. And it also meant that while we got to do a lot of stuff together, it was never something that fully lit us up Hmm. because we were all trying to compromise with each other. So instead, when we started chatting about it, it was brought up, well, could we take turns? Could we come together and we'll put some kind of rules around that day in place? And so we put in place, it could be up to this many hours. There's a budget of up to this amount of money. But within that, we're each going to take turns. This month, I'll plan the day. Next week, next month, my husband will. The next month, my daughter will. Yeah. We've collaborated on, we want to do more things together. We want to get out of the house together more often. Okay. We've come to what we think is a reasonable budget that we all got input on. We all got input on saying, these are the things I absolutely won't do because they really or something I don't enjoy or that scares me. I don't enjoy feeling this way. Sure. We put some kind of boundaries together and collaborated on a framework for that. But then each person got to express themselves within it. That's that's brilliant. I, I really, really love that. We used to do something when the kids were little called fun. Well, it was fun Monday initially. And then it was fun Sunday as school started. And they knew in advance the that on that particular day, it was computer shut down, no work. And we're going to go out and do something together. And I think there was some conversation about what that thing might be. Maybe sometimes it was a surprise. But I, this, I like this kind of twist on it, which is giving everybody an opportunity to pick the thing. And then everybody goes along with it. Everybody has a turn at doing the thing that they're most excited about. I think it's really cool. Absolutely. And it gives you something new to be able to talk about because you've now experienced something that you might not have chosen to do, but somebody else in your family really cared about. And you have a little bit of a deeper understanding of something that means something to them. So it's just transformative in a lot of ways. Well, this has been a wonderfully refreshing and encouraging and, and really inspirational conversation ultimately. And I really appreciate you making the time and I mean, you're such a great communicator too. We, we know most of these podcast episodes go 45 minutes to an hour. You just like, you're so concise and, and I want to take a cue from that too and work on my communication skills. But thank you so much for giving all of this wonderful information and inspiration to us today, Rebecca. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to come on and chat with you. Thanks so much photographers for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at bocapodcast.com. We do try to bring this show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographer's Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events 
your photographing.